Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Derek here with Chad for another episode of Howl History. How you doing, Ghetto Superstar? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I got a good rise out of you with that one. It's <laughs> an oldie but a goodie. What's your uh, What's your favorite modern song that was sampled off of a classic song? So like the the music in the background is the same, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I so I have a satellite radio in my car now, <laughs> okay, because uh, I got a new car last winter, and so I almost never listen to anything modern. It's like there's a 90 station on there. That's awesome. There's an 80 yep. station. That's awesome. Um, once in a while, I'll listen to Howard Stern. If he has a good interview guest, otherwise I'm listening to podcasts. Right. So, I mean, I, I, when I say modern, like nineties to me still counts as modern. It's oh, uh, okay. <laughs> like, like P Diddy sampling, um, that's, that's what yeah, I would go with. The police like, or whatever the yeah. sting song. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, well, get superstar was like islands in the stream yep, or whatever. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah. I but I I will say I can't think about I'm sure there's better options that I have that I blanking on, but I will say those types of gimmicks that musicians use get me every time. <laughs> Suck <laughs> me right in. I, I like every one of those ones yep. that they they sample. It's like there, there's a show that my wife watches that I've kind of gotten sucked into as well. So I'm not making fun of the show, but it's um Cruel Summer. Have you heard of that show? Never heard of it. So it's really kind of kind of cool how they do it. It's like this. The whole story, it's like these high school kids. This one girl goes missing and she's like ends up being locked in this house by the assistant principal of the school and whatever. But it takes place in the 90s and it takes place in 92, 93, 94, all around the same days of those three years. Mm-hmm. And it, you can tell what year it is based on how like one girl was kind of like the nerdy kind of ugly girl. And then she becomes like the pretty hot girl. And then like in the third year, she becomes like the girl that the the popular girl that went missing blames everything. So all that happens in the nineties. And so they play a lot of nineties music, sure. but it's all covers from more contemporary bands. Nobody like super big, I don't think, but the, the songs are all awesome. Like I like every, like the way they remake them are all super well done. So like I, it just, now that you brought that up, it just reminded me, I was thinking last week after we watched the episode, I'm like, I got to download I got to find where I can download that soundtrack. Yeah. One of my favorite things in music is a genre blending cover. I agree with that. You'll take a a rock song and do it on piano or you'll take a. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Like you you get a well-made one and it's just I'm all over it. Like Nas just did the um, Old Town Road or whatever, which, by the (laughs) way, I didn't know was a song by Billy Ray Cyrus before he did it. So like it didn't. Yeah, that one didn't work for me necessarily because I I wasn't like a fan of it one way or the other. No, I had no. I still didn't until you just said that. I didn't know that Billy Ray Cyrus made a, <laughs> had a version of that. There was one um, like in the early two thousands that was good by like Tim McGraw and Nelly, the rapper. Uh yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, you, you know what else I love? I love mashups like the the Bee Gees and Nelly, like uh, "Staying Alive oh. Hot in Here" mashup, like and like you, what the DJs used to do, where they just kind of mix them. Yeah, it was like. Big in the early 2000s. Absolutely. Like there's a, you can go online and you can find about a hundred different versions of the, uh, the Thomas, the tank engine theme song with rap lyrics laid over the top of it. It's you can just go down the rabbit hole. It's the most ridiculous thing, but I just, I cackle to myself laughing at how ridiculous it was a bullet. I dodged. I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to face that barrel again. My son never was a Thomas, the train. He was never, I mean, I had some other doozies that he was into that. I didn't like, but for the most part, he was like kind of a Pixar kid. Like I had a, speaking of music, 
the cars. Have you ever seen cars? Yeah, I've seen the first so, one. Yeah, so that it's um, Life is a Highway, but it's remade by Rascal Flats. Rascal Flats. That song is ingrained in my head, their version, because <laughs> my son would have to watch cars like three times in a row every single day. And he would fall asleep in his room, and I would hear like the credits playing. And then it would, you know, on the DVDs, mm-hmm. it goes to that menu, and it's that song like on a loop. So I'd be like, ah, oh, I'd be like too tired to get out of bed to go turn it off or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So like that's my, we hear that song. We were in a, a Target or I don't know. We were at some store just two weeks ago, my son and I, and we walk in and we hear that song. And I just looked at him. He just looked at me and smiles. I'm like, that's the car song. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a big fan of that movie. That's funny. All right. Well, here we go. We are we are back for round two of redrafting the NBA. We uh, went through all 30 teams in order of market size and uh, drafted their new franchise players from from one to 30, starting with Giannis Antetokounmpo, ending with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I can run through the list here really quick. But uh, Chad, any any themes that you've felt like you noticed out of that draft? Anything that surprised you and how that went? Um, I guess what would surprise me is I was. I kind of told you this right before we jumped on, but I was going big on purpose mm-hmm. and you sort of followed suit. That surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be, then I would have like all the bigs I wanted, but yet you started taking some of the ones I wanted. And now there's more point guards that are left available that I didn't necessarily think would be available at this point in the draft because we both ended up going bigger. Yeah. I mean, I, you started making that run on bigs with, uh, Demonte Sabonis and Vucevic and uh you know it just kind of started getting to a point where just like any draft I'm sure real life or fantasy all of a sudden there was a run and it was like well there's an overabundance of point guards remaining and I don't have to scramble to take one because even if I miss it here at the end of the first round I'll have somebody good coming right back around in the second and uh I I probably didn't go in the order that I thought I would coming in but absolutely once the once the board started to fall it was time to to shift gears a little bit and either get some bigs or get some wings because there were just a, a plethora of point guards out there. And there's, there's a lot of old guys left too. <laughs> there, are, there are going to be a lot of old guys left. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. Um, it was a, it was a fun round. We, we, we laughed a bit. We tried to take it as we saw it going. Um, as we would see the league, it kind of spoke a little bit to who each of us are for who we cheer for and what type of talent we evaluate. But, uh, quick rundown, the New York Knicks went number one overall with Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Nets came in second with Luka Doncic. The Lakers had Jokic. The Clippers had Zion. The Bulls went with Embiid at number five. The Raptors took Anthony Davis at number six. Jason Tatum came in seventh to the 76ers. The Mavs went with Stephen Curry, the first uh, quote-unquote old guy on the list. The Wizards went with James Harden. The Rockets went with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Chad went with uh, Cat to the Warriors at number 10. Uh, so surprise pick there. Uh, the Hawks took LeBron. The Celtics put, took Damian Lillard. The Suns took Kevin Durant. The Pistons took Devin Booker. Bradley Beal goes to our favorite Timberwolves at pick number 16. The Miami Heat took Rudy Gobert for a, an anchor in the middle. The Nuggets took Ben Simmons, the Swiss Army Knife defender. The Magic took Nikola Vucevic. The Cavs took Jimmy Butler. The Kings took DeMontis Sabonis. The Blazers took Bam Adebayo. The Hornets took Jalen Brown. Ja Morant went to the Pacers. Donovan Mitchell went to the Jazz, stuck with his franchise. Anthony Edwards, our Rookie of the Year, went to the Spurs, gets to be coached by uh, Greg Popovich for a couple years. Kyrie Irving, Chad's favorite player, went to the Bucks. Paul George goes to the th- goes back to the Thunder. 
Russell Westbrook goes to Memphis, and DeAndre Ayton closes it out going to the Pelicans. So uh, lots of centers, a few wings, a couple old guys, a couple young guys. Not not as many uh, super young guys, I guess, as um, one would expect in a, you know, if we had a, had a couple strong drafts. But we had Zion, we had Ja, we had, we had Edwards in there, and we'll see if any more uh, rookies or second-year players pop up here in the second round. So we're going to reverse it. We're going to go snake style and bring it back around and see if we can create the best pairings for each of those players and with uh, the players remaining. So, uh, Chad, you ready to get to it? I am as ready as I'm going to be. Perfect. I'm, I'm waiting to see who the first one that picks somebody that's already been picked. Can, <laughs> Hopefully I've been keeping them. track. Yeah. All right. So since, as we mentioned, there is a large group of point guards remaining and DeAndre Ayton went to the Pelicans, uh, you could have swapped him with who I'm going to be taking here uh, between 30 and 31 or 31 and 30 and put him in a different order, and it probably would have been a little bit more appropriate. But I'm going to team him up with a guy that went in the same draft and draft Trey Young uh, and put uh, put him on the, the Pelicans here. So DeAndre Ayton and Trey Young, two 22-year-olds, both coming into their own in these playoffs right now. Uh, you know, probably not in the current league a, a strong, you know, top three seed in either conference, but very much, you know, a large set of potential there and the ability to, to grow together and form a team. I like it. I mean, yeah, you know, not there's not too many more elite, you know, super scary level shooters, mm-hmm. and obviously Trey Young is nearly that, um, and probably will be that a lot longer than some of the guys picked in the first round. So, and he's shown a little bit more grittiness and toughness in this playoffs. That makes me like him a little bit better than I maybe had a month ago. Yeah, I mean, some of the evaluation coming out of the games over the past week or so have been that he's been better at making the right read he's been less ball you know assist hunting you know ball hungry and it's just kind of been letting his teammates make plays and showing that type of maturity has been a big step forward for him and it really allowed them to to win this series against new york 4-1 and not really even struggle with them at all yeah it's i mean he's He's looked like a star in that series. He's definitely been the best player on the court yeah. during that series. So. so the the Pelicans are happy. They fin- they come out with Aiton and Young, and they'll they're hoping to compete in a, in just the next couple of years here. That brings us yeah. to the Grizzlies. Russell Westbrook, who's his running mate going to be? It's tougher than I thought it'd be. I mean, you get a guy that's a triple double machine, and maybe just because of where guys are at this point, and because there's so many more guards available, I didn't really want to go another guard with Westbrook because that's not really worked so far in his mm-hmm. career. Um, but I'm going to go with another guy that's a little bit, got some similarities to him, at least in the sense that, you know, another freak athlete, uh, another UCLA guy, I'm going to go Zach Levine. Interesting. Um, gives, gives him another, another ball handler. Um, so they kind of share those duties a little bit. And then you have a guy that can shoot, you know, I, I I actually was thinking Trey Young even, but I'm like, yeah, Trey Young and Westbrook would be pretty small backcourt. Yeah. Um, but I wanted a three-point shooter next to Westbrook. Um, to me, that's the, the best success he had was with mm-hmm. a, an elite-level shooter. If we were doing um, five rounds, you five. need a couple more three-point shooters on that roster too. Yeah, I still would. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the hard thing with him, right? I mean, if in today's era, because he isn't – he's a point guard. He's a – volume guy and he's not a long range shooter at least at the level of guys are today and so that's like the only well and he's not a good defensive player either um 
but those are the glaring holes for him, even though he's, you know, it's like how many other guys can you look at on this list that are going to get you a triple double? Like mm-hmm. there's literally zero, you know? So <laughs> it's, um, it's weird to, to think of that as a weakness in him, but here we are. But I mean, there's, there's other guys that I think fit better, but they're not as talented as Levine. So I don't want to take them this early because there's replacement guys, even though we're not doing the later rounds, there's replacement guys I can get later. Um, another guy that I won't, you know, bring up yet because we haven't talked about him yet, but, um, there's, uh, uh, when we get to him, I'll, I'll, if I remember mention why I didn't <laughs> take him just because again, you know, there's some similar things that I look for I look at as weaknesses in his game to Westbrook. So, well, it's a, it's a strong pick. You're going big into offense with that team. Uh, Westbrook and Levine will definitely match up with anybody. And it's very similar to Westbrook and Beal, what Washington has going on right now. Right. So if you can have somebody stronger than, or a front line stronger than Hachimura and Bertans and their three-headed center monster that they try running out there, which I think you would coming back around in the next three rounds, you'd have a pretty strong team. So uh, no problems there. Um, that brings me to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Paul George is sitting there as a franchise player trying to figure out if who his running mate's going to be next time. He had he had Westbrook with him last time he was in this position on Oklahoma City. So uh, I think this time... We're going to give him somebody a little bit more, I don't know. You know what we're going to do? We're going to match up with what the Clippers have done with two big wings, and we're going to put Pascal Siakam next to Paul George, and we're going to dare other teams to score on that lineup. Uh, I think they both have enough offense in them, especially George, to to hold up a an offense, but having those guys at the three and four interchangeably uh, moving forward, I think is just going to be kind of a, a nightmare for opposing teams. So um, Siakam's probably going a little bit earlier than I would have, but that pairing just seems uh, to be something that I, I would really enjoy watching moving forward. Yeah. I like Siakam. I mean, he's, you know, you're, you're taking the, one of the last really solid defenders at this point in the draft. I mean, it's going to be a run on offense or a reach on mm-hmm. defense, I think, um, or a reach on somebody that's a little older in order to pair them up. So I have no problems with that pick either. All right. That brings us to the Milwaukee Bucks. Kyrie Irving at the one. Who is he going to play with? And who can carry that team for the 20 games a year when Kyrie just doesn't show up? Well, that's the problem. I don't think there's anybody really available left that can carry them. Um, You know, I think I'm just waffling between two guys here. I think I'm going to go Brandon Ingram here. All right. Um, a couple things I like about well, one, I think Ingram still has a little bit more to go on his ceiling, and I think he's already a pretty good player. Um, he is also a complimentary star to Kyrie where he doesn't need to be the star or the number one guy all the time. Um, he, he can get hot and he can carry a team. I don't know if he can carry him for 20 games when that Kyrie will be mm-hmm, out, but mm-hmm. he's he has more of that ability than the other guy I was debating at this spot. Um, and so, and, he, and he's like, kind of gives Milwaukee the poor man's version of Giannis by getting Ingram there, and now you have Kyrie as well as sort of your, your alpha um, unquestioned there, so he can't really whine about his situation or his... <laughs> <laughs> 
Because he's not, I mean, let's be honest with Kyrie. He hasn't ever been the number one guy. Yep. Even when he's in Boston, you know, Tatum was the number one guy. And and in Kyrie's mind, he is the number one guy. And it's, you know, it just, he's, it's sort of, uh, is it Goldilocks, uh, you know, with the porridge? It's hmm. too cold or it's too hot. That's the way it, Kyrie's career has been. It's, it's either too hot or too cold and he's never happy. <laughs> there we go. He, his new nickname is Goldilocks. We're going to get that started. <laughs> I like that. Perfect. All right, fifth pick of the second round brings us to the San Antonio Spurs. Anthony Edwards sitting there with their first pick. Uh, feels like a very strong all-potential team moving forward. I suppose I could team him up with somebody who's ready to win right now, but that would feel like a disservice to his timeline. So I'm going all in, Chad. We're going with LaMelo Ball with the second pick there. So two 19-year-olds, we're going to see if they can they can roll forward, and hopefully by uh, teaming them up on this make-believe team here, I can uh, start to convince myself to like the mellow ball a little bit more and not always be so grudgingly hated or hateful towards him. And I don't mind ball as much as you. I mean, I'm not like the, his biggest fan, but I like him better than you. I think I, he was a guy I thought about to pair in Memphis with Westbrook, but I'm like, Ugh, mm-hmm. that's really rough in the shooting department. And Lamelo's not any better than Levine on defense either. Um, and I don't, I mean, I know the potential's there because he's so long but I don't like all these guys. We talk about potential being potentially good defenders yep. never pan out to be good defenders. <laughs> like they either are when they come in or they're not. Yep. And um, so I don't, I wouldn't cross my fingers and bank on him becoming a good defensive, which is what your team will need to. Cause you know, you need Edwards then to become a good defender as well as ball. So you're going to, we're going to need something. That's for sure. Yeah. Like my uh, Memphis team, you're going to need to load up a defense. So I totally changed the, uh, the whole culture of Memphis by going from tough. I mean, I guess Westbrook's still a tough nosed guy, but yeah, you know, Levine, it's all offense, no defense. Same, similar with uh, the Spurs with you. They're, they're fundamental, sort of boring, and now you got two of the most exciting young players in the league. <laughs> going from the Marcus Aldridge and Dermar DeRozan to Anthony Edwards and the Mellow Ball is a little bit of a a one eighty there. Yeah, culture shock. Yeah, but I'd love to. I'd love to watch Pop Cochos too. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I could almost guarantee that they turn out better than they will in real life. So maybe, I mean, if he doesn't kill them, that's true. Yep. <laughs> All right, pick number six, the Utah Jazz. They've already taken Donovan Mitchell, so they've kept one of their mainstays. But who is going to join him? So it's weird how I kind of ended the first round with like guards mm-hmm. um, after going big early. So I had this is my first non-point guard. Um, that I get to pair somebody with. And I'm going to go with Shy Gilgis Alexander. Okay. SGA. Um, I, I like I like his all-around game and his potential down the road. I think he's a, a star in this league. Um, and so for me, this is just a value pick of what's left available. A backcourt of him and Donovan Mitchell, I think, is a backcourt I would love to watch. So Both, I, uh, both alternating between the one and the two? Yeah, they can again. It's it's positionless basketball, as Ryan Saunders would always say. So far with this team, um, and it's a pick or poison on the defense. I mean, what do you get? Both guys can facilitate as well as they can score. Um, I think that'd be a fun team. So far, you know, again, you still need uh, you know a, a Bam Abadio type guy down low, but he's not available. So <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the Pacers with John ja Morant. And I still have some really, really strong point guards sitting out here on my list, but 
I can't pair him with Ja. He's going to be the ball handler. He's going to be running this team. So um, I've got to go with somebody, somebody a little bit with a little bit more size. I could put him with uh, Triple J again and just keep that team moving forward as it is. They already won the eighth seed in the West this year, and I'm pretty sure I could get Jonas Valanciunas coming back around in the third round if I really wanted him. So uh, I, that's an option. Otherwise, I could go with a strong defender, spot up shooter. Um, what I'm going to do low is I'm going to. It's kind of in the same vein as uh, what I've done with Aiton and Trey Young or Edwards and LaMelo Ball. I'm going to keep going, keep pairing up this potential. I'm going to put Michael Porter Jr. on the same team as Ja Morant and just kind of have two of the two of the young, hopefully budding stars in the league. And if Porter Jr. can stay healthy, that's a, that's a lot of offense on the same team once again. It is. I, I you know, I haven't seen enough Denver games this year, um, and you know, I. The most I saw of Porter was in the bubble last year. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was, you know, awesome in the bubble last year. And he's kind of been awesome now down the stretch of the season as well. So, you know, I I read people smarter than me who say he's not very good defensively and yeah. that, you know, he's got some pretty large holes in his overall game. But, you know, from the highlights and stuff I see and the few games I see, I, I like the kid. Yeah, I mean, I've heard all the same things. I, I'm not expecting him to be a lockdown defender from day one, and um, who knows how he'd fit next to to Ja. But he's a he's a knockdown shooter. He's six ten. He's a six ten wing who can shoot over anybody. So um, hopefully he can keep moving forward and keep putting it together because that Denver team is going to be scary if he can. Yeah, it will be a fun team to watch for sure. All right, bringing it to the the blue jerseys of Charlotte, the Hornets. Jalen Brown is their their top wing. Who we add into that roster? Uh, so I need some a little more offense here. Um, I am fortunate enough to have Jalen Brown, who's a, a pretty good defensive player. So I don't necessarily have to reach for defense here. So I'm going to go De'Aaron Fox. All right, and uh, that gets me a guy who can kind of take over games on offense when he needs to. He can you know really set a pace. Uh, and I think Jalen Brown can run. So I, you know, I, I could have gone tougher here, but I don't want to miss out on an offensive player like De'Aaron Fox. So, yeah, he was one of one of two guys I would have considered for that position. And uh, luckily for me, I, I can just take the other one in the next spot. So I was ending up pretty decent either way. But uh, strong, you know, strong pick, a potential all star 23 year old point guard. He's somebody that Sacramento's really tried to build around. I know there was some questions last year when he was up for his extension as to whether or not they would they would go all in on him and try to make him their franchise player. But so I think he's definitely in a tier below the the John Morant's, the Trey Youngs in terms of young point guards in the league. But um, but yeah, I think you I, and I agree. He definitely a tier below Ja Trey Young. I mean, before this playoff series, I would have put him and Fox about the same. I mean, yeah, Sacramento is such a mess of organization right now that. It's hard to evaluate anybody. Yeah, he could go to another team. Let's say he gets traded, and all of a sudden he's, you know, a MVP candidate. He has that kind of talent to me that he could become a top seven-ish player, and if he was hot, he could be an MVP candidate like that. But he could also fade away and never really become anything special, too, because of the you know, situation he's in on that team. So yeah, I mean, I can very well see a, a podcast coming out of Sacramento that's doing this exact same exercise, taking Darren Fox in the middle of the first round, taking Carl Anthony Towns in the beginning of the second, because you just don't hear about small market teams that aren't aren't successful. You know where, you know, in the national media. So 
we probably don't have this, the correct lens for De'Aaron Fox, and people might think that this is way too low for him, but um, we're, we're, we're going off of the experience that we have, and right now there are just too many point guards, for, and this is a pretty good spot for him ending up with Jalen Brown, so... Yeah, and it's weird in the way when we do this kind of an exercise. You're not ranking the players one through yep, sixty. Or not whatever. at all. It's it, you're you're sort of you're reacting to what you know we're doing to each other by what we pick and trying to kind of like oh well I don't want to be stuck with having to draft eight point guards in a row so <laughs> like we're bouncing around um, on position so this isn't necessarily to me a ranking you know of the top sixty guys in order. It's it's just you know it's no. more fluid than that. It's so. not even close. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that brings me to the Sacramento Kings, as we were just talking about. Oh no, sorry. The the Portland Trailblazers. You get the Kings next. So yeah, I trade your teams. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with player. I just like I like yeah. Portland so much better. <laughs> right. I get to keep Portland. I get to keep Bam Adebayo as their their starting center or power forward, depending on how this draft rolls out. But uh, um, like I said, I had two guys that I was considering for for this pick. Darren Fox was one of them, and he went the pick before. So I'm going to go with Jamal Murray as the, the point guard next to Bam Adebayo. And he was probably the last guy that um, I felt really slid in this, whether that's because of his injury or because of the, the depth of point guards or because of how good really Denver's offense has looked since he got injured to, you know, put a little bit of question onto how much value he provides versus how much value Jokic gives him. Um, I think they're, they're all legitimate questions, but a guy that can drop 50 in the playoffs you know, you know, the drop of a hat is going to provide a lot of value, especially teamed up with with Bam and provide a little bit of, you know, a, a poor man's version of what he has going on with Jokic in Denver. A guy that can move the ball, a guy that can kind of play multiple positions and a better defender. So um, hopefully if he can be the offensive fulcrum of that team and just have a, a good ball movement uh, core, that would be a good fit for me and a good a good way for those to, two to play an inside outside game. Yeah, I and I Jamal Murray. I think you're right. I mean, I for me, I think it's just since he hasn't played, it's just out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I I wouldn't say I like him better than De'Aaron Fox, but he's definitely in that same category for me. So I don't know if had I been staring at his name instead of De'Aaron Fox's name for while well, you were making your pick before, <laughs> if I would have gotten Jamal Murray or not. But um, he's you know definitely in that conversation. And frankly. Until again, like I said about Trey Young in these playoffs, I like both Fox and Murray better than Trey Young. Um, but Trey Young has that Steph Curry esque shooting ability that where he could be, yeah, you know, the Steph Curry for the next five seasons. Um, so I think Murray and Fox do more things better. Um, but Trey Young's got that, you know, another gear in terms of his long range shooting. So all, all three of those guys are kind of similar like you pointed out earlier yeah absolutely all right so we now we get to the kings chad's favorite team <sighs> with uh demonte sabonis holding down the fort in the middle who are we teaming yeah. up with him so this is a tricky one because i like sabonis a lot hence why i took him and probably took him earlier than you would have taken him um by like three rounds but yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> no i'm joking uh, <laughs> but he's not a flashy like guy that you really want to build around in terms of marketing the team right mm-hmm. um i think he's better than a lot of guys on our list it's just he's just not gonna like put butts in the seats as they say yeah so i had to kind of move this guy up a little bit um just because well he's not exactly as dynamic as some of these other guys either he's certainly more pleasing to watch than uh some bonus in terms of just aesthetic wise and that's gordon hayward okay um i think hayward you know 
talk about guys who are will be out for 20 games or <laughs> yeah what have you he, he'll he'll miss his share but he when he's healthy he's still one of the very best players in this league um and and to me you know all the credit that LaMelo got for turning around the Hornets I really think was all Gordon Hayward because when LaMelo went down their record really didn't change and when Hayward went down it, it certainly changed so um I think Gordon Hayward is a winning player I think he's fun to watch he's not you know the Zion type guy that you're gonna yeah, it's like must see TV but he's uh definitely will be more fun to watch than Sabonis even though I took Sabonis around earlier for the same team I think Brad Stevens in Boston will try to trade for trade for Hayward back now that he's in charge of the personnel decisions you know I don't think so because one I don't think Hayward liked his time there yeah his role and I don't think with Tatum and Brown, like that's not the position of need is another wing. <laughs> I was mostly joking. I don't think he, he would, but <laughs> that relationship was always a little odd. Mm-hmm. So, all right. DeMontis Sabonis and Gordon Hayward trying to make a fresh start for the Sacramento Kings, uh, which brings us to Cleveland. They've already started with Jimmy Butler, so they're not exactly going young here. Uh, they could really use anything because Butler can play the, the two, three or the four. Um, He's a strong defender. He's not a great outside shooter, though. And this is a worrisome pick to me uh, because of the injury history and the fact that we haven't seen him in a year and a half, two years now. But I'm going to go with Clay Thompson here and just hope that we can get back uh, 90% of what Clay was before as a strong defender and the second best shooter in the league and put that with Jimmy Butler and uh, really lock down my my wing my wing rotation there well damn that's definitely one i didn't i forgot <laughs> just because he hasn't been playing and a guy i really like and that's um it's not jordan and pippen no but it's not as far off as it's as crazy as it sounds it's not as far off as it should be either um because i don't know I, neither of them play like necessarily like jordan it's almost like having two scotty pippins yeah team um and one of them just being an elite level three-point shooter to boot but i i like that pairing the other guy i would have thrown out for you for jimmy and to go all in would have been chris paul sure um could have teamed those guys up yeah two guys that have a dramatic effect on teams winning or losing and you can pair them both up on the same team Mm -hmm. um i mean there are there are a few veterans like that clay chris paul uh even draymond would have fit into that, that role too but Clay, I think, extends that window a little wider than yeah. either Draymond or um, blank. I just Chris Paul. Said Chris Paul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, with with Kevin Durant having come back as strong as he has from his Achilles tear, it gives me a little bit more hope for Clay that he can make a full recovery heading back when once he get back gets back to the Warriors next year. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jimmy and Clay taking the league by storm in Cleveland. The Orlando Magic, they uh, brought Nikola Vucevic back after half a season in Chicago with their first pick. So if they've got the center lockdown, where are they going next, Chad? So this is this is the problem when you, when you take <laughs> effective but not sexy big men. <laughs> because it's like, well, now what do you do to actually, like, you know, have an audience? Right. Um, <laughs> so many people so, are watching the DeMontis Sabonis-Gordon Hayward combo. Uh, well, I mean, right now, I... I I don't even have a Gordon Hayward that's going <laughs> to bring in as much. Um, so, 
I think maybe what I'll do, because, you know, Vucevic is, you know, he's not the youngest guy either. I think I will go for a, a win now and just see what I can do. And I'm going to take Chris Paul here since we just talked about him. All right. See what that um, pairing can do. Just two fundamental guys. Um, they're not, you know, Chris Paul's a big name. You know, he's never really been the the flashiest guy either, um, but he, all he does is win. So mm-hmm. you pair those two together, and it's pretty easy to fill in players around those two guys. Yeah. Um, so I think my other rounds will be more enjoyable than these first two as the GM of the Orlando Magic. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think I, I didn't want to pass on Vooch in the first round because, to me, he was the best center available at that point. Um, and I don't want to pass on Chris Paul now because he's just, there's not a lot of pairings that make sense besides Chris Paul for me. Um, and so lock him up now and move, get him out of the way. Before I forget about him, let you snipe him at like, <laughs> the last pick of the round. Go team him up with LeBron near, in the middle of right. the first round. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's a strong pairing. I think you, much like the Timberwolves, the present day Timberwolves, you'll probably want to go with a strong defensive power forward if you can coming back around and try to lock down in the middle a little bit with Vucevic's uh, defensive deficiencies. But uh, offensively, they're going to find a lot of space. You know, Vucevic turned himself into a really great outside shooter, and Paul can find guys anytime they're open. So uh, hopefully that works out, and you can find a, a role man defender at the power forward to, to team up with them. But it should work. And that brings us to the Denver Nuggets. Ben Simmons, like I said when we when I took him the first time, he can really play any one of the five positions, depending on who the best player available is uh, coming back around. So I'm not going to worry too much about fit here. And I'm going to go with the best player I feel available, which isn't frankly super easy because I feel like we're we're getting into kind of a rough spot now in terms of uh, the potential versus production uh, limits that we're seeing. Um, but I guess if I had to just pair somebody with Ben Simmons, I would need a shooter on my team. I need somebody that can take full advantage of of what he provides and that's going to lead me towards I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. <laughs> we don't have a lot of shooters left, do we? There isn't. No. You know what? I'm going to make one heck of a defensive team and take Drew Holiday here <laughs> and take two of the best, probably the two best on-ball defenders in the NBA and try to put them together and see what we can do. I like it. Actually, I looked at Holiday, you know, for the Orlando pick, but I'm like, Ugh. he's also not a big like household name yeah. kind of guy either. Um, underrated type of guy. So I was like, well, at least Chris Paul. I mean, Chris mm-hmm. Paul's a proven winner. That was the only reason why, you know, here you have a little bit more flexibility. Um, so I like it. There we go. We're going all defense in, in Denver. And speaking of all defense, the Miami Heat took Rudy Gobert with their first pick. You going all offense with the second pick, or you doubling down? Well, I need a shooter with Gobert, and I would like somebody that can still play defense so I can make that my identity. So I'm going to take Chris Middleton. That's what I thought you were going to do. That's actually, I would have predicted that. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I actually have been kind of thinking about Middleton the last few picks that I've made. I actually thought about him for the Sacramento, but he's just like, well, he's not, <laughs> he's a hard one to pair with Sabonis because of, like, I, you know, the fans yeah. be like, who, who, I don't even know the guys on our team. <laughs> right. So uh, Middleton's like one of those 
under the radar kind of guys, but he's a pretty good player. And um, if maybe if he wasn't in Milwaukee, he would be a bigger name. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are, you know, we'll see in Miami um, he, that's a little bit more uh, cachet with the, you know, the weather and the, the team and stuff down there. So pair him and uh, Gobert together. And I, I, I like where that team's headed. I like it. I think it's a good combination. Um, Middleton is, I don't know. He kind of fits the theme of what Utah has going with a lot of their players now. He's, he's, but he's better than Bogdanovich. He's better than Ingles. Um, I don't know if you'd say he's better than Mitchell. He's, I don't. He's not quite as dynamic, but he's a better defender at this point. So um, he's been an All Star. He's he fits great as a second, you know, second primary player. And if he, especially if he can be the third off, you know, option. That's that's a really really strong team. But with the the peanut buttering we're doing of talent right now. You know you're not going to get that, so I think it's a good pick. I like uh, I like that for the Heat. Um, we're coming up to the Minnesota Timberwolves here uh, with the 15th pick, bring, bring us right to the middle of the second round here. They took Bradley Beal in the first round, so uh, we're going to try to give him a little bit more help than he's gotten in his career so far with Washington. Um, I don't know if I have a player who's as dynamic as Russell Westbrook or a young John Wall, but hopefully this can be a better fit. And due to the lack of big men, due to because you took them all in the first round, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take uh, Clint Capella and give him a strong role man and defensive anchor inside to try to round out that team and give him somebody that's a little bit more synergistic than what he's dealt with in the past. I'm a big Capella fan. I mean, I don't know why. Uh, it seems like when he was in Houston, his reputation was like sterling. And then for whatever reason, he goes to Atlanta. And not that he's like, got a bad reputation now, but it's like people kind of forget about him. Yeah. You know? I mean, even coming to this playoffs, it's like, man, Atlanta's got a lot of talent on that team. And we've talked about it in previous episodes, just about, you know, when we talked about potential trade, you know, around the trade deadline, potential trade options for the Wolves, they got a lot of talent that I like that. I don't know that it necessarily fits together there, but mm-hmm. there's a number of guys off that team and Capella being one of them that I, I would be all over. For yeah. The, I mean, he's such a, such a strong part of that team. It's, it's the only reason why, John Collins would be available and that they'd right. let him walk in restricted free agency or make him, you know, available for a sign and trade is just because Capella does half of what John Collins does, but twice as good as he does. You know, he's not a, a three point shooter like Collins is, but he's so much better as a role man. He's so much better as a defensive anchor. And he's just kind of, he's just a foundation of their team. Him and Trey Young have really changed how that team works moving forward this year. Well, and Capella is one of those few guys that on this list that you put him on any team and he instantly makes you, you know, 10 spots better on defense mm-hmm. as a team. You know, and there's only a couple guys, you know, Ham, Gobert, Bam. And they're all big guys, in my opinion, because it's harder to affect the overall game as a guard on defense. Even if you're a lockdown, great defender, you know, the guys that are protecting the rim are stopping multiple players. The guy that's just a great one-on-one defender is stopping his guy, and that's it. You know, and, and so when you got a big man that is as good a defensive player as a, a Clint Capella, y- your team's a better defensive team, significantly better than it was before you got him. So yeah, I mean, it's just this whole exercise is just proving how much talent there is in the NBA right now. Because I look at, you know, I look at the team that the Wolves have right now with Bradley Beal and Clint Capella, and I look at just a few picks ago when I teamed up. Bam Adebayo from the first round and Jamal Murray in the second round. And it's like, 
Bradley Beal and Jamal Murray are very similar, and Bam Adebayo and Clint Capella are very similar, and they, there are small discrepancies in the style of play. But you put like those two are two very similar teams, but they just happen to be taken in, di- in a different order in terms of the positions. And it's just you know from picks thirteen through forty five, you know it's just a lot of very similar players. And yeah, you're going to make some reaches, and you're going to be wrong, and some is, is going to be fit dependent. But there's so much talent in the NBA right now; it's just crazy. Yeah, I, I when I, you know, I was just reading somebody on Twitter saying something about how bad the talent is in the NBA, and of course, uh, you know, he probably had a hundred people jump on him for it. But I was just like, man, I don't know where that, I don't even know where you come to that conclusion because I, I, it's maybe not the golden era in terms of like the top elite star players. You know, like you and I were texting last night just about a Larry Bird story, mm-hmm. and we were, we were talking about how there's not that killer instinct today in those top tier stars that we have. Um, and that part is true, but you look at teams and you look at their, the, their starting five, the starting five teams today is so much better than it was even in the nineties, um, yeah. early nineties, you know, they're outside of the, you know, the, the, the bulls or, you know, those one or two teams that were like extremely elite. You take the top five. I mean, you look at the golden state team from a couple of years ago, like that's an all time team, you know, and you look at Brooklyn now, which has got, uh, it's a mismatch to me of talent. Like it's just, they can overwhelm you in their scoring and they might win it because of that, but they're not going to play a style where you're like, Oh, that's good basketball. It's just going to be like three guys playing one-on-one <laughs> against counterparts, but the talent, you, it's undeniable. You can't, I mean, they have one of the best spot up shooters next to, you know, three, two top five guys. And one guy, it's, you know, Kyrie top 20. I mean, as low as I like them, um, I still have to put them in the top 20. And, and then they have one of the best spot of shooters to complement that. So it's like, you know, it's just, I couldn't agree more in terms yeah. of what the talent level of the league as a whole today. Well, it wouldn't be a Howl history episode if we didn't have some Brooklyn Nets slander in it. So <laughs> we worked it back around. All right, Chad, you had Devin Booker going to the Pistons. Who is he going to be teamed up with for his, his two-man pairing? So I got my elite shooter, and I'd like to go big here now but since i took them all in the last trip mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna take a flyer on this guy because i i mean we have very little on him but i'm gonna take christian wood here all right um i'm a believer in him and he's a he's one of the other you know a, a guy that can play defense um he's a, a good offensive player he's he's a to me having a guy like that paired with booker um, it's, it's more dynamic than maybe, uh, you're more of a traditional big man who's just sort of a, in the paint kind of guy, uh, would kind of flies all over the place. And, you know, I think that'll bode well for, for Booker. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that came out of nowhere a year and a half ago in Detroit and then signed a, a lucrative deal with Houston this off season, he's, you, we still don't know if it's good numbers, bad team type of th- type of situation, or if he's really going to be able to impact winning. But, um, at 25 years old, he's at least numbers wise, he looks to be one of the best young big men in the league. So it's definitely worth the, the shot to to pair him up here with Booker and ride the wave that Booker's on to try to uh, make a strong team moving forward of of young but already ready to win talent. Yeah, and watching him, I don't feel like it's just hollow numbers because they're not running things specifically for Christian Wood, right? Like he's not just getting you know twenty two or twenty three points a game, whatever it is he scores because he's the only guy they're running offense for because they're such a bad team. He's getting putbacks. He's getting rebounds. And, you know, he, he's he's able to do multiple things well to kind of make his 
to earn his numbers. Um, or so he's not just, you know, a Kevin Martin on the Kings from mm-hmm. his scoring title year kind of guy. Well, that brings me to the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant. And I feel like we have gotten to a tough point with him because all of the the really strong 30-something-year-olds have largely been taken, except for Draymond Green, who hates him now. <laughs> so I don't know if I... Think, I, if I, I think would... he always probably hated him. <laughs> I don't know if I can team those two back up or if that would even be a great fit with them all being a couple years older and a couple more injuries into the well here. But uh, who would I put Kevin Durant with moving forward in a franchise if I were starting over? You see, the hard part with him, and this is probably why you have such a a distaste for his style of play, is that he's never been on a team where it has been more than just your turn, my turn. It's it's never been kind of a a fun-flowing team game. Even when he was in Golden State, which was the ultimate ball movement team, he didn't play that style. It was always, we're going to have that whenever Kevin's out, and when we need a bucket, Kevin can just go one-on-one and take his time. So it's hard to really find somebody that's synergistic with him. It is. I mean, and that is my, you know, partially my big beef with them. The other part is just that it's, I kind of am going against, because there's so many people that think he's at LeBron's level, and that irks me because I don't think he's earned a sing, his rings in Golden State. I think mm-hmm. he just hopped on board that train, and, and that train was already headed that same direction. Um, so I don't give him any credit for that. I don't give him any credit for whatever they do or don't do in, in Brooklyn because, same thing here. I just, he's just one of those guys that's, I don't think, I think he's a terrific talent. Um, but I don't think he's got, like, so here, the guy we were talking about last night from the nineties was Larry Bird. And I said, I compared Larry Bird to Kevin Durant's game, but the difference is uh, I one, I think Larry Bird's just better, but Larry Bird has that killer instinct while also he'll still use his teammates. He's not going to like make it a one-on-five kind of game and um and that's the the part from watching durant that i don't like now is durant a good player hell yeah he's a really good player he's a he definitely is a top five player but i just think in today's in the last 10 years 12 years after lebron there's a big drop to kevin durant that's not necessarily a slight on durant that just that's the the praise i put lebron i put lebron at near mj mm-hmm. you know status yep. and i don't think you can say that Durant is at, you know, that same level as MJ and LeBron in with a straight face. I was just, you know, it's laughable to me. And that that's where I go so over the top on my <laughs> Durant slander, as you would say. Well, I think with Durant being such a, uh, a ball dominant player, I know he can take turns, but that's not necessarily what we need, especially if we're not going to be able to put three uh, all NBA players on the same roster. So I'm going to go with somebody that uh, can hopefully spot up for open shots but also be a defensive anchor and maybe reach a little bit but hopefully it's a the smart pick with miles turner here at, at center on that team uh you know he led the league in blocks this year even with the games that he missed he still uh, had enough blocks to to lead the league even if he had played a few more games with zero blocks so um he's a strong defensive player he's not as great of a rebounder as i think you would typically like out of your center but uh, I think we're just going to have to play fast. I'm going to shift Durant up to the four. I'm going to put Miles Turner at the five. And no more uh, Turner-Sabonis confusion there with him being pushed out to the perimeter. And we'll just uh, see how that works. And hopefully with that defense, we can just put a few more spot-up guys or a couple other guys that can handle the, the ball when Durant isn't available. 
and we'll uh, we'll try to round it out that way. But we're we're trying to make some. We have to make some sacrifices here. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I like Miles Turner as a player, so I don't mind. I mean, the other guy that kind of fits that role would be Andre Drummond, who I know you don't like as much as I like him. Um, but he does give you the the rebounding mm-hmm. on top of the. He doesn't block as many shots as Turner, obviously, but um, you know he'd be someone as a presence there. But he's his his stars kind of tarnished a little bit because now he's not even he's just a, a role player a bit role player on la but i think he's clearly a better player than what they're using him as it's just that they're they got three centers yeah. that are all worthy of playing minutes so i don't know i feel like they're kind of forcing him minutes in la and he's not actually contributing to winning yet so we'll, well he's see a bad any... fit yeah he's he really is yeah yeah so all right kevin durant and miles turner out in phoenix boston they took damian lillard who put on quite a show in uh, his last game against Denver. We'll see uh, who, what type of player you're going to put next to Damian Lillard. CJ McCollum's still sitting out there. <laughs> I don't really need anything next to him. Okay, you just uh, need Dame, right? <laughs> just Dame. Um, but I'm going to give him something that he hasn't really had, at least at this level, um, since he's during the NBA. And I'm going to give him Julius Randle. Okay. Uh, um, you know, I think, you know, the playoffs, if we're going recency, if we would have started this before the playoffs, I think Randle would have been gone already. Um, just because he had a great year, yeah. um, the playoffs, so he's kind of stunk it up, but, um, I think Randall having Dame on the outside would open things up for him a little more than what, you know, um, Derek Rose and Frank Derek Nilekina and Emmanuel yeah, quickly are providing menagerie of guys yeah. that can't shoot in New York are doing for him right now. So I, you know, I think that'd be a kind of a dynamic pairing. So I was kind of. Happy to have him drop for Dame just because there was one other guy that I was thinking here, um, but he doesn't do as much on offense as, as Randall does. So, yeah, I think, uh, this, uh, uh, again, it'll be another pick your poison. I mean, you're going to let Dame go for 50 or you're going to let Randall go for 35. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think if we're going from just a performance for this last year, Randall fell way too far. Absolutely. Like you said. Um, he was an all-star. He was probably going to be an all-NBA player, probably, you know, all-NBA third team. If if he gets pushed off, it will not be by much. Uh, he had a great year in New York lifting them up to, uh, you know, the fourth seed there. Um, I've never been a Julius Randle fan. I didn't like him in L.A., and I hate the Knicks, so I never found a reason to like him out in New York, especially with uh, Tibbs as his coach. But, um, he and like, Derrick Rose is his running mate. Derrick no, Rose is, no, there's nothing I like about that team. You like Taj? Uh, I don't remember if we've talked about Taj. Do you like Taj? I, I never had a, I don't know. I never figured out how I felt about Taj. I just always knew that I felt he was overpaid. So even the, like it was hard to to give him the credit, even when he was doing his Taj things, like because they were all kind of behind the scenes. They're all, you know, small things that you didn't really notice all the time. And absolutely Taj contributed to winning for the Minnesota. He's contributing to winning for, for New York. He comes in out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're a better team. So you got to give him credit for that. But it was just kind of like bringing him in at the number they did you know, the 15, 16, 17 million dollars a year when it was all the cap space that I had left and they already had Gorgie Jang on the roster making that same amount. It was, you know, I think that was a hard thing for me to get over in terms of how they use that, that asset. Um, so, I, you know, I was always hoping for a little bit more than just dirty work player for 16 million dollars a year. But uh, but no, I, I liked Taj as a person and as, as a teammate, you know, I could easily root for him. It was just a matter of I it was always felt a little tainted to me because I felt it was a bad decision by Tibbs. But uh, but he he got the steal on Jokic that got us into the playoffs in 2018. So they uh, yeah and paid off. I I my thought was always even though I liked 
you know, Gorgie for what he was. But it was that Gorgie contract was the one that always bugged me. Because yeah, I mean, that was a bad one, but they were already locked into that one. They were, but it's like that wasn't necessarily Tibbs' fault. Um, so to me, it's like, yeah, well, you don't compound one problem and pass on a guy that you know can help you, that can play your system. I mean, so I never – that that move never bothered me by Tibbs. I, I think and maybe part of it was I was more worried they were going to go and get uh, Joachim Noah instead of – Sure. Yep. Taj at that time. And I thought Noah had less left to give the Wolves. Obviously, so, as proven out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was sort of relieved and glad that they got Taj, who was a guy who I wanted desperately on this team five years earlier. <laughs> um, but, you know, we got him a little later and he still ended up having plenty left. I mean, he's still I was watching the game tonight and I'm like, that still looks like the same Taj that played for the Wolves a few years back, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. the playoffs. He, he hasn't really lost much, even though he's, you know. He's at the twilight of his career. I mean, I don't know how many more years he'll play, but, um, you know, he, he hasn't lost much to his game, so. No. Well, that uh, ends the Celtics run with Damian Lillard and Julius Randle. Brings us to the Atlanta Hawks, who somehow got LeBron in the first round. So another interesting pairing. Uh, after having to find somebody to go with KD last round, I feel like I'm, I'm limited in my selection here. I can't just go with the best long-term upside pick. I have to find somebody that's going to, Help me maximize my immediate window. And uh, I don't know how these guys feel about each other, but I'm going to pair up LeBron with Draymond Green and, and say hell with it and figure out what what, what happens later. So uh, we know that they're both smart. We know that they're going to play winning basketball. They're going to be great defenders when they when they put their minds to it. And um, I don't know if it's a LeBron-AD pairing, but hopefully for the next two, three years, they can really pull it together and find that juice. I mean, uh, personally, I don't think you can find anybody that doesn't work with LeBron. Right. And I don't think you can find anybody that doesn't work with Draymond Green. I I don't think Draymond might not like LeBron right now, but I think if they play together, yeah. he would love LeBron. Because LeBron what Draymond doesn't like are knuckleheads that don't know how to play basketball. <laughs> and it drives them crazy. Um, or guys that are are selfish or guys who don't want to buy in. Um, and LeBron's none of those things. So mm-hmm. I, I think those two would be great. That I actually I thought about Draymond for my Boston team, that was a, it was between Randall and, and Draymond. So yeah. um, the reason why I went Julius Randall is just because to give Lillard that kind of that pressure release of a little bit better offensive player. Um, but Draymond would have been a great pick in terms of defense and mm-hmm. everything else. Draymond does everything well. He's just not uh, an elite level scorer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and especially with LeBron, you have to put somebody on that team that he's going to respect. I mean, you can't go with a a Tyrese Halliburton and hope that that's going to work out because it's just not, he's not going to give him the time of day to give him, let him figure it out. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that would absolutely, I think that would be the best pick available for the guys that we have remaining in this fictional scenario we've, we've given ourselves. So, uh, but that brings us to the warriors. Carl Anthony Towns is in the, is in the middle for them. Uh, Chad, who do you see remaining as the best teammate for Carl Anthony Towns? So I don't know if you and I have talked about this guy, but he's one of my favorite players in the league. And I think he's always been sort of um, underrated. And I'm going to pair Towns with Fred Van Vliet. Once you said underrated uh, and if we, we hadn't talked about him, I, I, I stared straight at his name. I was like, I think that's where he's going. <laughs> I've liked him since before he got any run. I mean, I don't know if you recall, but in our fantasy league, I held on to him way too long <laughs> and then dropped him too soon. Because yeah. as soon as I dropped him, he like... He blew up. Catapulted it. Yeah. yeah, he 
Um, Lowry went down for a, a spell and he got starting minutes and I was like, ah, crap. And of course I didn't have the cap space to go sign him back. So um, he's been a guy I've liked for a while. I don't, I just think he's got that um, clutch gene in him. He's, he doesn't have any real weaknesses. I, you know, I just, I think his personality is the exact compliment we need to a guy like Towns. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, I like a lot about D'Angelo Russell's personality, but I think Fred Van Vliet's got a little bit more of that, that alpha without being an a-hole kind of. He's got that dog in him. He does. And, but he's not like a Jimmy where he's going to like, you know, because, you know, he had a scratch and claw to get where he's at. And, you know, I think, uh, Towns would respect that. I, I just, I think they'd be a great pairing. Yeah. No, I like it. I, I've considered him for a few picks now. I, I hasn't been the right spot to pull the trigger, but no, I think he's absolutely belongs in the second round and he's a great pick. So Carl gets his point guard running mate, I guess point guard slash shooting guard, depending on where that were to go. He can play either position, but, uh, the Rockets took Kawhi Leonard in the first round, um, once again, lots of options for positions, uh, not a ton of options for age. Uh, I don't think we want to go too young and a guy that's not going to be ready to help Kawhi win a championship. He's not quite at LeBron's level. He's not 36, but he's also not a, a spring chicken anymore. Um, so I'm torn between two guys that are kind of three, four combos, um, one, of which, one of which has been has a higher reputation, one of which has built up uh, kind of a reputation for him recently. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Tobias Harris here. I think it's uh, to provide a little bit of offense. He's not quite Paul George, but um, he's a he's a poor man's Paul George in terms of that combination, and hopefully they can be a little bit more synergistic than Kawhi and George have been. Uh, he can fit into a team well. He doesn't have to be the primary guy. Um, and at this point, I don't think there are a ton of primary guys out there anyway. So I'm going to try to give those those guys both the the ability to switch between the three and four depending on who the the stronger um, wing is that they need to defend they can put Kawhi on that guy and put Tobias on the on the weaker forward but um but yeah we'll see I don't I don't feel 100% confident in it that it's a it's a it's an amazing pick like I have in some of my other ones but um, I think at least in terms of age and their veteran presence and their ability to try to put it together to go for a championship run I, I like I like the combo yeah I mean I, you know I, Tobias was one of those guys that I've sort of had on my list here for a while because I'm like, okay, he's a shooter at a, at a big man position. So I was just kind of waiting for the right spot, um, to kind of pair him up and, uh, you know, looking at the guys that, I mean, obviously I had Towns who's an elite level sh- shooter last, mm-hmm. so I didn't necessarily need that. Um, but I, yeah, I think he's a good fit for where you took him better than the, the options I had. The last few picks yeah. in terms of fit. So, <laughs> all right. So we got Kawhi and Tobias Harris on the Rockets, the Wizards. Hopefully, they can turn it around because they got James Harden in the first round, and if they get a good pick here, they can be right there in the championship mix. Yeah, and uh, I probably would have taken this guy earlier, but he kind of escaped my mind too. Um, and I, I actually like this pairing with Harden. Harden's another one that's kind of kind of weird because it's like. He's such a good one-on-one player, but kind of like your issue with Durant, you know, like who do you pair Mm -hmm. a guy like that with? Um, The one thing I think Harden does on a much better level than Durant is he does set guys up. Yep. Um, And he can, you know, score from every spot. He he can, you know, 
get to the free throw line and, and that allows him to also drive and kick. So I want to pair him with a big man that can shoot and I'm going to pair him with Kristaps Porzingis. There you go. And I think, you know, Porzingis, if he comes back to more like the New York Porzingis, um, you know, he, it, you're, you're talking championship team here. If he, even at the level he's at now with a Luca, you have Harden, who's a better offensive version of Luca, um, and a similar setup guy. So, um, it's, I think it's an interesting pairing. I do too. I mean, I think Porzingis, just like Julius Randle, his star has been tarnished a little bit in these playoffs. Um, the Clippers are abusing him on defense and he can't do anything in the post this during, you know, they can't, they go small against him and he can't take advantage of it. They need to put in Boban at center to actually take advantage of a small lineup. So, um, I think he's shown times where he's much better than he is right now. And we've seen it when the Timberwolves have played him. You know, I think there have been games when Luka didn't even play and Porzingis came out and dropped 35 on us because he just, he could. Um, so I think he was considered a unicorn at one time, you know, whether or not he's lived up to that reputation, I think is still to be determined. But um, if you're going with potential and the guy that's 7'3 and the ability to block shots, hit threes and, and run, uh, you can't get much better than that. So hopefully he can kind of put it all together and be a little bit more of a role man for Harden than he has been for Luka. Yeah, and, you know, worst case scenario, you have two, you know, guys that can drop, you know, 35 on you at any given mm-hmm. night. So Okay, so that brings me to Stephen Curry with the Mavericks. Once again, I feel like we're taking... I'm being forced into a lot of... Uh, guys who are older rather than than potential here because of the first round the way that fell i had a lot of current veterans on, on those teams or in those picks so um i have plenty of guys between 21 and 24 who i'd love to give a lot of consideration to in terms of this second round and i think that their value fits it but it's tough when you got a guy like stephen curry who's who's well into his 30s now and you want to once again maximize a window so um i'm going to give him Somebody who kind of kind of fit the, I'm going to give him a forward. I don't know if there's a center left that I really feel that strongly about, and I don't know if that's ever been a strong part of his game. Golden State has never necessarily needed that. So I'm going to give him Jeremy Grant, and uh, hopefully he can keep up what he's been doing in Detroit. He can be a strong uh, secondary scorer um, as well as a, a good weak side defender. Um, they don't, you know, Steph doesn't have a second star next to him, but I don't think there's a second star left out there. So. Uh, that's the way I'm going to go, and hopefully they can work well together. Yeah, I I don't mind. I mean, Jeremy Grant kind of reminds me. He's got a little bit of Draymond Green to his game. Um, he's a better offensive scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's you know he he does a little bit of everything, and I, that's I kind of what you need to pair Steph Curry. Steph Curry's kind of like what I just said about Damian Lillard a couple picks back. I don't need anything else. You know, when you have a Steph Curry or Damian Lillard, when they get hot, like Lillard got last night, yeah, that's a one man wrecking crew. Um, and so you want what you want to do is find the guy who can do the most things well to pair up with that, because that you're never going to really have to rely on anybody else to, for the scoring load. You know, there's guys on this list who are elite scorers who have off nights. Steph Curry and Damian Lillard are on all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Jeremy Grant, the Tony Campbell of the modern day. Well, uh, hopefully provide a, an, another outlet for Curry when they try to th- send three guys at him and somebody he can rely on. So um, we're going to move to Philadelphia. Uh, the 76ers took Jason Tatum in the first round. So Chad, I think you've got an opportunity to go, to go young here if you want to, to, to keep that one moving. And I think there are some good, some good options out there for some young guys if you wanted to go with potential. 
Yeah, and there's a few guys I'm playing with here, and there's one I think you like better than than the guy I think I'm going to take. Um, so I'm risking him <laughs> going to you, um, but I'm going to take John Collins here. Okay. Um, I I've been a fan of Collins since he came into the league. I'm still a big fan of him, and I think pairing him next to Tatum, um, it's a similar level talent of what Jalen Brown is currently, and we know that works to a degree. So at least in this one, it's a guy that's more of a defined four or five and Tatum can still be the three, four. And I still gives me flexibility. If I can find a really good center in the third round. Great. Mm-hmm. If I find a really good small forward, great. Like I can make that work either way. So. Yeah, I like it. you know, Collins is flexible. I think, uh, you know, if you listen to uh, Dane Moore's most recent podcast, you talked to the, one of the beat writers down in, Atlanta and they just talked about how Collins can really be a a Swiss army knife big man. He can he can step out to the perimeter if you have a role man. He can play he can be a role man if you've got a shooter. Um so he can play next to both Gallinari and Capella depending on what situation you need him to fit. So I don't think he's he's an all-star at either of those specific roles, but if you put the whole package together, I think he can do that. So um with Jason Tatum, you know, who can play the 4 if you want him to and you Collins can slide up to the 5, otherwise he can play 3 and 4 pretty seamlessly. So I think it's a good fit. I think it gives you a lot of flexibility moving forward. So I've got Toronto coming up with Anthony Davis. Um, He's not uh, super young. He's not old by any means, though. So um, I... You need somebody with a medical degree. (laughs) To just keep him healthy, man. I know. Um, You need uh, Doc Rivers. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that I really like. Um, he's not an offensive fulcrum, so I, I'm, and I, he's not a, a primary ball handler either. So I'm going to really need to, to look at who, my, who the point guards available are coming back around in the third round if, if we ever do that offline. But um, I'm going to go with Mikael Bridges out of Phoenix and just get a strong wing de- young wing defender. He's 24 years old right now, but um, I think he's... He's one of the the key cogs of that Phoenix team and the reason they've been so good this year and the, the way their defense has come together. Um, I think he takes always always takes the, the best uh, ball handler or the best offensive presence from the other team. He defends them. He's a good spot up shooter and I think he's gotten better every single year. So I'm I'm a big fan. I think that he could be a a really strong fit as just a role player. I don't think he's going to be a star, but um, you put him next to Anthony Davis and, and you already have the two of the five spots locked down for really really good defenders at those positions. Yeah, and we've seen, you know, Anthony Davis be a star player yep. before. And so I think if, you know, he can reemerge as that version of Anthony Davis and Bridges can fill in as a nice running mate without, you know, sort of taking away from Davis's brilliance when he's the Anthony Davis that was taken number one overall. Yeah, so, I you know, that's kind of the thinking. So hopefully... Davis can step back into that 1A role instead of being too reliant on LeBron and just remember what those days used to be like. So uh, that's the bet. That's what the Raptors are hoping for. And that brings us to Chicago. They got Joel Embiid with the fifth pick in the first round. So I think there's a, there's lots of guys here that could that could fit well next to him. But uh, where are you going to go? So this guy I'm not as sold on um, in, you know, real life as I am as a pairing for Embiid in terms of who's left and just weigh my options. Um, I'm going to take Colin Sexton here. Um, I liked him better when he was drafted than I do today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But he is a guy that can 
can get hot and he can uh, he can shoot it. And and Bede hasn't had that in terms of at the point guard because of Simmons hasn't been the shooter. So if you I you know and I don't know what maybe I'll get a shooting guard or a small forward who isn't a shooter um, in the later rounds. You know if we were to continue this exercise, but this at least gives me that primary ball handler who can hit the hit the deep ball to pair with my center who can also do a little bit of everything. So, yeah, no, it's a good pick. I think, uh, I had him on my list. I think, yeah, at 22 years old, it's hard to, to really go wrong there. Um, he's a very strong offensive player and with him beat down though, you don't need a whole lot of defense around him. So, uh, hopefully the, he can continue to improve and not be, not live up to the reputation that he's built around the league of being a ball hog and not being willing to pass. So, but with him beating his team, I think he'd that'd be a little bit of a different situation than what he's yeah, in right yeah. now. Yeah, he, he has nowhere near the, an Embiid level talent <laughs> yeah. on uh, his roster. Now. I mean, he he is your first and second option. So, um, I I do think that criticism is a little unfair, even though I've soured on him too. I just, you know, he isn't always super efficient. <laughs> so. Right. All right, so Chicago took Colin Sexton to put next to Joel Embiid. That brings us to the redheaded stepchild of the Los Angeles region of the Clippers. Thank goodness for them. They've crawled out of the 0-2 hole. They found themselves in with uh, with Dallas, and they're looking strong again. So, uh, But we, I took Zion in the first round with the fourth overall pick. Uh, what I said at the time was I wasn't entirely sure what the right roster formation was around him uh, because I don't think New Orleans has figured that out either. But luckily, I think there's a guy here that will help me round out my front court, a guy that can play out of the paint on offense because that's, that's Zion territory, but also defend the paint on defense because Zion isn't the strongest defensive player yet. Um, and that's going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. out of Memphis. Um, I don't know if he's come back as strong after missing almost this whole year uh, with a knee injury, but the the potential that he was showing, the, the synergy he was showing with Ja in Memphis and just his ability to be a stretch five if necessary or even possibly play the four next to some bigger lineups. Um, I think would synergize really well with uh, with Zion on the on the front court. So we're going to need lots of guard help moving forward. But hopefully, if we've got those two spots locked down, they can be young and they can move forward together. Nice. It's a lot of uh, kind of reminds me of the. I mean, they're more talented, but the Davis brothers in Indiana. Yeah, you got a lot of muscle, you know, in those <laughs> two forward spots. So that that's a that could be a uh, physical team. Let's do it. Let's roll with it. All right, so the Lakers, they're going to take over L.A. again. They got Jokic, the assumptive MVP for the season. And uh, who's going to be who are, who's going to be flinging those overhead passes to? So, um, this is kind of tougher than I maybe expected. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a guy who maybe, you know what, I'm going to switch it. I'm going to go... D'Angelo Russell here. Okay. okay. Uh, I wasn't... Originally, he wasn't going to be on my list to make it to this this round. Um, and I'll, I'll even say who I was going to take because we're almost done with mm-hmm. this. Uh, I was going to pair him with Kimba Walker. Okay. Um, and I think you're talking about guys whose sort of star has fallen a little bit. I think Kimba Walker is definitely one of those guys. And D'Lo's also one of those guys. But I think the best of that D'Lo has to offer, I think he has more left in the tank than uh, Kimball Walker. Oh, and Jokic easily. Is still pretty yeah. young. Yeah. And so pairing Jokic with a guy who, you know, can shoot, he can, you know, he, I think Dilo's a pretty smart player. 
Um, he's not the best defensively, but Jokic will help that. Jokic is a better defender than Cat, um, so they'll be better there already. Uh, Jokic is a better version of Cat. Um, and now you get pair him with Cat's main running mate, who we all hope can get us into the playoffs. So um, there's there's other guys I like better. Um, and, you know, there's the big man I like better. It's up, but I got Jokic, so I can't really use another big man. <laughs> um, so I had to go guard and... You know, there, Lonzo Ball was the other one I was thinking about, but Lonzo Ball won't, you know, pay off those those passes as well as D'Lo will. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not super opposed to the pick. I think there are other point guards I... I guess, maybe I take it back. There might have been one other point guard I might have gone with instead, but I, I think that's a toss-up. And with D'Lo's age, I think you're betting on him having a, you know, five to six more years of his prime. So I think that's a good pick, and I think they could fit well together. So... Uh, hopefully. Who, who was the other who's the other point guard yeah so the other point guard would be somebody that i would consider for this next pick um next to luca in in, New, in uh, brooklyn um but the age doesn't really match up in the way i'd like it to and that would be malcolm brogdon i think that he could be okay. a, a great uh defensive kind of off-ball point guard if necessary when luca's handling the the attack responsibilities and he could also be the the primary ball handler when luca goes to the bench so i think that in the backcourt that would be a really good p- pairing i think that'd be a really good fit and he could fit with a lot of the the heavy ball handling wings out there. Um, so I was really, really tempted to go with him there. And I think that it would might, it would be stronger for the next three years than the guy I am going to go with. Um, but I'm going to take a, a, a risk uh, with some potential here. Um, a guy that's another injury risk uh, in, and hopefully he can come back to be what he was before. But I'm going to go with Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac out of Orlando and uh, just try to lock down that, that power forward position and just really have a defensive anchor and the guy who is a, a potential all all defensive player before he he hurt himself in the bubble last year. I like it. It's um, so one of my favorite pairings that we put together now. Um, overall, I like. I think uh, he's another guy that probably slipped off my list because of recency mm-hmm. of not being healthy and stuff. Um, but uh, you know, and you nailed it in terms of fit too, because it's like, well. Do I want another defender next to a Jokic or, you know, some of these other Embiid even? Uh, I don't think he fits as well next to those guys as he does next to Luka. Yeah. Um, and I think Luka can elevate his offensive game as well for Isaac. So, um, And like you said, you're swinging for the fences. And I, I think worst case, you're, getting, you're hitting a triple. <laughs> it's, it's just hope he can come back from his injury and be, you know, what he was before and, and continue to continue the upward trajectory that he was. And maybe someday he can be good as good as um, uh, Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. So, all right. The final pick of the second round, the New York Knicks, due to having the largest market, got the first pick. They went with Giannis. And now you get to find the the right guy to team with Giannis to try to finally win him that championship. So I asked you who the other point guard was because Brogdon was the other guy I was thinking. I wasn't thinking of him for Jokic because I don't think he's... I feel like Jokic in a lot of these teams, you mentioned it about with one of your picks earlier that because we're it's we're evening out the talent mm-hmm. across the league, I feel like Jokic would be taking a, a big step back from the dynamic ability. Like he's lost Porter, he's lost Jamal Murray. Yep. And if I give him back Rogan, who's sort of at his ceiling, he's you know he's not going further, which is why I picked D'Lo, moved him up a couple spots because I think D'Lo. Uh, with a guy like Jokic, his game would be in the near all-star level. It'd be more like what he was with Brooklyn. So I passed on Brogdon then. I don't think I'm going to pass on him now. I think um, there's a couple guys here that I was considering for it. Um, 
the other one was like Jared Allen or um, Rashawn Holmes were the two big men. I was thinking that parent okay. to be honest, but there's two of them, right? There's only one one guard that I would consider here. Yeah. So that tells me I should go with Brogan because uh, just there's not enough other guys. I mean, I could go Lonzo here, but then Giannis is really looking for that other scorer. Um, and I think Brogdon's got a little bit more there than Lonzo. Yeah, I mean, Brogdon going back to Milwaukee, I think he was their second best player two years ago in the playoff run when Bledsoe kind of fell apart and uh, Middleton wasn't hadn't really come into his own as that uh, you know 1B type player next to Giannis yet. So he was a 50-40-90 guy, um, and I think they were made the mistake of letting him walk over to Indiana just for, for money reasons. They wouldn't have had to... I'm not saying that he's as good as Drew Holiday. Uh, he isn't, but... I don't think they would have had to give up, you know, four first round picks to go to go trade for Drew Holiday if they had just kept Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so I think he's next to Giannis. I think he's a, a perfect fit as a point guard. Like you, like we talk, we're talking about a guy that can play off the ball for a ball dominant, you know, wing. And I think it would just work out really well. Yeah, and the only other guard I consider here was Oladipo, who just can't seem to stay healthy. I think you have no idea what he is at this point. No, and I, I you know. Prime Oladipo next to Giannis would be a dream, but um, I don't. I, I have less faith that we're going to ever get see that Oladipo back, um, you know, in the league. Unfortunately, so it was it, too much of a risk for me. Well, Chad, we made it. We made it to the end of round two. Uh, let me do a rundown here. I'm going to start from the end of the the list here, so we'll go back in the same order that we just drafted the guys in. So from the from the bottom of the uh, market size, we're going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. They take Trey Young to team him with, with DeAndre Ayton. The Grizzlies took Zach Levine to go with Russell Westbrook. The Thunder took Pascal Siakam to put him with Paul George. The Bucks took Brandon Ingram to go with Kyrie Irving. The Spurs took the Mellow Ball to team up with Anthony Edwards. The Jazz took Shea Gilgis Alexander to team him up with Donovan Mitchell. The Pacers put Michael Porter Jr. with John Morant. The Hornets put Darren Fox with Jalen Brown. The, ba- the Blazers put Jamal Murray with Bam Adebayo. The Kings put Gordon Hayward next to DeMontis Sabonis. The Cavs put Clay Thompson with Jimmy Butler. The Magic teamed up CP3 and Nikola Vucevic. The Nuggets put Drew Holiday and Ben Simmons together. The Heat put Chris Milton next to Rudy Gobert. The Timberwolves paired up Clint Capella and Bradley Beal. The Detroit Pistons got Christian Wood and Devin Booker. The Suns, Miles Turner with Kevin Durant. The Celtics went Julius Randle and Damian Lillard. The Hawks took Draymond Green to tame him up with LeBron. The Warriors got Fred Van Vliet as a point guard partner for Carl Anthony Towns. The Rockets took Tobias Harris and put him in the front line with Kawhi Leonard. The Wizards took Kristaps Porzingis to team up with James Harden. The Mavs took Jeremy Grant to put together with Stephen Curry. The 76ers got a big man John Collins to go next to Jason Tatum. The Raptors went with Mikal Bridges for defense with Anthony Davis. The Bulls teamed up Colin Sexton with Joel Embiid. The Clippers put Jaron Jackson Jr. with Zion Williamson. The Lakers uh, got the point guard and D'Angelo Russell next to Nikola Jokic. The Nets took Jonathan Isaac for defense with Luka. And then the Knicks rounded it out, taking Malcolm Brogdon as the point guard next to Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, Chad, that's 60 picks. We have 32-man pairings. Uh, any that stood out to you? Any that you really feel like uh, fell in the right way? Well, I mentioned I like your... Um... Isaac with Luca pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that pairing a lot. Um, I also really do like my Van Vliet and Towns. Obviously, I'm a homer with Towns, so it kind of 
<laughs> yeah. increases that. But I, I'm also a huge Van Fleet fan, so that would be a uh, dream pairing for me. Um, I would have to, I'd have to look through them all, like, you know, again and actually see my paper because. I was trying to keep up as you're running through them, but then I get distracted by something <laughs> I see. <laughs> so uh, it's tough. How about you? What are your favorite pairings? Uh, I mean, I I had a few that I I think I pulled out that I I, I liked. I like the Jimmy Butler Clay Thompson combination. I also like the the LeBron James and uh, Draymond Green combination. I think those both would work really well together. But once again, I'm relying on it's a lot. It's age heavy. It's not a you know a lot of youth moving forward. Um, I think there were definitely a lot of teams that. Uh, could surprise and i don't think you'd have any idea coming out of these first two rounds which which teams are going to be championship favorites uh moving forward you'd really have to do the rest of this so uh any any players that are sitting out there that you're surprised didn't go in these 60 picks Uh, i mean there's a few guys actually i mean there's um you know i mean part of the reason why i wanted delo selfishly is because i wanted him in that top 60 Mm -hmm. (laughs) um just to be there so that you know, it's the homer, uh, but a guy like Rashawn Holmes, I think, is a top sixty player. Um, I think Terry Rozier is right on the bubble of being a top sixty player, um, and and he's still there. Jared Allen uh, is still available. It's a couple a couple bigs are still there. Lonzo Ball, I you know, I think I like him better than you do, but I don't think there's a huge drop off between Lamelo and Lonzo. And Lamelo went quite a bit earlier. Lonzo's still pretty young. I think Lonzo actually does a few things better. I think he's a better defensive player than Lamelo, um, and he's shown you know some improvement in his three point shot this year, in in stretches anyway. So uh, that's another one. Michael Conley is another guy sure. that's still there, a yeah. little bit older, but a really good player. Um, so yeah, there's a handful. Anybody that stands out to you? That's funny because you just named five players, and I didn't have any one of those five on my list of uh, potential okay. second round picks. And I, I think they're all good names and I must've just missed on a couple of them or had some guys that I considered stronger. But um, I think if you're going for potential, I think Tyrese Halliburton is a, it would have been a strong pick. Um, I wasn't able to find a, a spot to, to slide him in. I'm surprised CJ McCollum never found a spot at the age of 29. I feel like he would have been a really strong uh, guard consideration next to a lot of these win now players. Um, so I, I think he's built up a reputation, and he can be a primary scorer if you need him to be. But I, I just, I you know, once again, there the spot wasn't there. Demar Derozan at thirty-one, uh, who knows how many years he has left, but uh, he's a he's been an awesome player for a number of years now. Uh, a couple of younger guys in R.J. Barrett and Dejounte Murray out of San Antonio. I think they Murray is a stronger player than Barrett right now. But once again, if you're going for potential, Barrett's a highly thought of around the league. Um, and then, you know, some defenders like Marcus Smart, you know, a young defender in DeAndre Hunter out of Atlanta. I was going to say Hunter was a guy, I, I'm an, another Atlanta guy that I really, really love. Um, but I couldn't find a spot for him that yeah. made sense. So if you really needed a center, you could have gone with James Wiseman. But once again, that's all potential. So, um, you know, unless I had done it really early in the round and teamed up with Anthony Edwards, I didn't really feel like I had a team that could wait for Wiseman to figure out if he was going to be a player or not. And then uh, rounding it out, I had Ricky Rubio and the rights to Nikola Pekovic listed. So <laughs> excellent. Yeah, well, Peck, Peck should have gotten in the first round. We all know that. Absolutely. If he <laughs> finds out that he didn't, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. All right, I don't know, Chad. What do you think? Do you want to? This is the only thing we're going to do in podcast form. But do you want to keep this going over text? And uh, when after we finish the five rounds, we can we can pu- publish them somewhere and see what the feedback is. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm game for it. I I was even thinking what might be interesting is if we alternate teams now, so we have to pair up guys with each other's teams sure. rather than our own. I don't know. We can talk about that off 
off episode and figure out what right. format we want to do. We'll give but, everybody a week to to let this one sink in to to figure out what what your feelings are. Uh, give us some feedback. Find us on Twitter. I'm at RubyOops. That's R U B I O O P S. Just think of a, a Rubio alley oop and put them together. And uh, Chad is at Chad underscore Cox on Twitter. Otherwise, we're at at Howell History. Uh, find, so find us. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you thought of the picks. Let us know where you think we went wrong. Uh, which of your favorite players we completely disregarded and slandered. If you if you are a Derrick Rose fan, I'm sure I've already blocked you. So uh, thank you for joining us once again for Howell History. We'll be back next week. And I believe we plan on starting up the actual uh, history episodes again with our trip back to 1990. So we'll take a look at the offseason season. That was heading uh, between the 89-90 inaugural Timberwolves season and giving us a preview of what's to come in the 90-91 season. Chad, you ready? Uh, I have more research to do, but I'm ready to start talking about the Wolves again. Let's do it. All right, man. Thanks for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll see you, man. Have a good night. All right. Talk to you later. Yep, later. Bye. Thank you.